Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. So hello to everyone watching and listening online. It's so good that we can all be together in this way. Today is the penultimate episode of my series of teachings on what it means to be part of God's story. Not only is it the penultimate message, it's also the next to last one. Man, very little. Wow. You're all thinking about rain, aren't you? I am too. Very distracted right now. Is it or will it not rain? Please rain. Need rain. We all need rain. The title of today's message is Celebrating the Story, which means this is a message about worship. I have been attending worship gatherings for most of my life. And in the church where I grew up, our worship gathering had a predictable order. And that predictable order had a specific cadence. We did the same thing every week in exactly the same way without fail. And had we not thought it was a sin to tap our toe to it, we would have fallen in line with the rhythm. Say a prayer. Sing a song, sing a song, sing a song. Say a prayer, take communion, sing a song. Say a prayer, take communion, sing a song. Say a prayer, pass the plate, sing a song. Hear a sermon. Hear a sermon, 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 hear a sermon. Sing a song, say a prayer. Now, let's go eat somewhere. Every week. And it didn't matter how we felt about it. It didn't matter whether we liked it or we found it boring. We knew we were not there to enjoy it. What mattered was that every week we checked off the necessary items from the list. Now, there's not necessarily anything wrong with worshiping that way. There is some comfort to be found in routines and rituals. But over the years, I've come to understand that there's so much more to worship than just working through a checklist of predictable activities every Sunday. Here's my simple definition of worship. Worship is our response to who God is and what God does. That's it. Worship is our response to God. God initiates and then we respond. We respond to who God is. We worship whenever we catch a glimpse of God and God's character, God's glory, God's power. God's grace, God's mercy, God's righteousness, God's justice, God's love. Anytime we catch a glimpse of God and then respond with wonder, awe, praise, or even reverent fear. There are stories in the scriptures of human beings who encounter God 
and their immediate response is woe. Not woe, but woe. Woe is me. I do not belong in the presence of the holy God. So whenever we encounter God and we respond, that's worship. Worship is also our response to what God does. We see in the Psalms repeatedly, the psalmist will praise God for God's activity. Activity seen in creation, activity seen in forgiveness and restoration, activity seen time and time again in salvation and the way it shows up in a variety of forms. In fact, in Scripture, there are two main salvation events that prompt and sustain worship from God's people. These are the two pillars that hold up the tent of worship. In the Old Testament, it's the Exodus. Israel remembers and celebrates the story of how God delivered God's people from slavery in Egypt. And it's that story pointing to that saving activity that sustains their worship. And they tell that story over and over again in Scripture and in song and through prayer. They gather to eat a Passover meal together to remember and celebrate it. They remember it and celebrate it with other feasts and other festivals. It's at the core of their identity as a people, and it's at the core of their worshiping life. They're always remembering it was God who saved us from Egypt. And then, of course, in the New Testament, it's the Christ event. It's the life, death, and resurrection of Christ that delivers humanity from slavery to sin and death. It's the church that gathers to remember and celebrate and tell the story the way God came among us in Jesus Christ to save us. And the church tells that gospel story in worship over and over through song and prayer and scripture and by meeting together to share the communion meal. So there is a cadence or rhythm to worship throughout the scriptures. But it's a two-step. God acts and we respond. God moves and we follow. God speaks, we obey, or sometimes we just stay silent. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent. God redeems and we sing. God saves and we celebrate. God provides and then we give. God moves, we respond. That's the order, that's the rhythm, that's the cadence of worship. And one of my jobs here, and the job of the entire worship team, not just those who are on the stage, but those who plan what we do when we gather on Sundays, one of our jobs is to make sure that every Sunday we are telling the gospel story in such a way that everyone is encouraged and invited to respond to it in some way. Whether you're here in person or watching online, you hear the story which points to who God is and what God is doing in Christ, and you respond. And then it's also our job to make sure we're creating and making room and time and opportunity for a variety of expressions of worship. Because there's more to worship than just singing. We come to this gathering from different directions, with different needs, 
in different shape, with a different posture, and God is multifaceted, and we all experience God in this room, but we're not all experiencing God in the same way all the time. Therefore, our responses in worship are going to vary as well. For some, it's celebration. For some, it's confession. For some, it's lament. For some, it's repentance. For some, it's sitting there doing nothing because there's nothing left. And for others, it's giving. We're all responding in different ways and creating the space we need to respond as God is revealing God's self to us so that we can worship is one of our priorities when we gather. But worship happens not just in the gathering. It also happens when we're scattered as we live our lives. Worship is not just something that happens in this room. It happens all the time, everywhere we go. In his letter to the church in Rome, the Apostle Paul says, after he's unpacked the gospel in the first 11 chapters, he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in response to God's mercy revealed in the gospel, I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Hopefully, worship is happening here when we're gathered But worship is more than a gathering. Worship is a way of life. And the prophets of old emphasized God's demand on God's people that what we do in the gathering when we're together, what we would call worship, is consistent with how we live when we leave the gathering. For example, Amos chapter 5, verse 21 and 24 Amos lists seven acts of worship, seven activities of worship from God's people. You can read this passage on your own, but all seven of these activities are listed. There are feasts and assemblies and burnt offerings, grain offerings, fellowship offerings, singing, music, you name it, they're doing it. They're worshiping God. There are seven descriptions of worship in Amos 5, and then they also contain six responses from God to that worship. Here's what they're doing to worship. Here's how God responds to their worship. God says, I hate it, I despise it, I cannot stand it, I will not accept it, I will not pay attention to it, I will not listen to it. They're working their way down the checklist, hitting all the activities, and God says, I reject it. Why? Because God says justice is not rolling like a river in the land. And righteousness is not flowing like a never-failing stream. The people of God are coming together and, and worshiping together, but they're not loving their neighbor as they love themselves, and they're not loving their neighbor, loving God by loving their neighbor. Keep reading in Amos and you see that they're not taking care of the oppressed. They're not standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves. They're participating in exploitation. They're cheating others. They're corrupt 
away from the assembly, but then they come and they worship God at the assembly. And God says, I don't care what you do here when you're together if you're not living it out there when you leave. Let me say that a bit more positively. There is supposed to be a connection between what we do here and how we live out there. What we do here in this gathering equips us for a life of worship and mission out there. The purpose of this gathering is to worship God. It's also to prepare us to continue to worship God when we leave. So we pay attention to the stories we tell in this gathering. Because the stories we tell repeatedly The stories we hear, the stories we watch over and over and over again, those are the stories that shape the way we behave. That's why we have to pay attention to what we pay attention to. That's why we have to be careful not to expose ourselves to more anti-gospel stories on TV than gospel stories we hear in church. The stories we pay attention to shape the way we live. When our boys were little, they watched the movie Ratatouille so many times that they eventually came downstairs into the kitchen and asked Heather to make them some Ratatouille, even though it's mostly vegetables and cooked by a rat. They didn't care. The story told them it was supposed to be delicious and they were supposed to want to eat it. And eventually the story won. And so every time we come together, we are telling the gospel story to one another. We're hearing it, we're watching it, seeing it in action. Because the more we hear the story of God's self-giving, sacrificial love for the world, the more it shapes how we live in the world. And the truth is most of us can't see it or hear it enough. We need more and more and more gospel. So this gathering helps train us, to use last week's language, train us for Christ-likeness by reminding us of who God is and what God is doing in Christ so that we can worship God here right now on the spot, but also by calling us to respond to the gospel by offering up our lives to God in service of God, not just one hour, one day a week, but 24 hours, seven days a week. This gathering helps equip us for our worshipful mission in the world. But it's also true that a life of mission makes us long for helps us to appreciate, sends us back to this gathering. There is a back and forth here because when we are out on mission, trying to live the Christ life, we fail. We get hurt. We forget. We become cynical and we grow weary. And we stumble and we stagger back into this gathering on Sunday looking for some forgiveness 
and for healing, needing to be reminded of who God is and therefore who we are in relation to God, needing our hard, cynical hearts softened, needing to be rejuvenated and re-energized for mission so we can go do it again. And the more engaged we are in a Christ-like mission, the more meaningful this gathering will be. I've been doing this a while. I've observed and experienced a number of things. And one of my experiences is those who tend to be most bored in the gathering are usually the least engaged in mission. Not always, but there is a relationship. I've read before about the singing wells of Barana, maybe Barana in Ethiopia. There are these deep wells in an arid land where the people can come and draw water during dry seasons or droughts for their households and for their livestock. And they're called the singing wells because the way the people draw the water, they drop ladders into the well and then they stand on the ladder and they pass buckets up and down the ladders bringing the water out of the well. And as they pass the buckets, they sing And it's the song that sets the cadence or the rhythm of their work. It's the song that sets the rhythm for the mission. But it's the mission that gives us the opportunity to sing. And we need both. So what makes worship good? You know how it works. You're walking out to the car and you say, hey, that was good worship. Or someone says, hey, how was church today? You say, oh, it was good. What, what makes worship good? How do you evaluate worship to say that was good? What makes it good? Is it because we sang your favorite song? You thought the jokes were funny, the sermon was short, we ended on time, there's more people here this week than there was last week. You got to see your friends, you met someone new. What makes worship good? Worship is good when we hear good news about God that is also good news for us. Worship is good when the gospel story moves us to respond to who God is and what God has done, is doing, and will do in the world. Worship is good when it trains us for Christ's likeness, meaning we become less selfish and more sacrificial. Worship is good when it energizes and rejuvenates us for more mission. Worship is good when it draws us closer together so that we cannot make a distinction between loving God and loving one another. Worship is good when we leave this place encouraged, having courage poured into us so that we can keep moving forward.
May our worship as a church be so good that we never want to miss it. Not in person, not online. And because we're online, you never have to miss it. May our worship be so good, we can't miss it. And may God use our good worship to form us into the image of Christ, individually and collectively, both when we're gathered, but also when we're scattered. I'll close with these words from the writer of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.